This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning television program, radio program, those that are uh, watching on social media or shortwave listening to <coughs> welcome we're in our chapel at world ministries international it's a live audience where we do a weekly staff service uh, i have a special guest his name is jerry crawford alias the zebra man and i think you can tell if you're just looking at him right especially his head the zebra man uh, from ethiopia Jerry, welcome to the Warning Program. Thank you, sir. Program. Yeah, nice to be here. And our chapel. And your chapel's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's see. It's uh, interesting to be an American and also to be Ethiopian. I often say I was born American. I was born again Ethiopian. <laughs> because on the inside of me, I live all Ethiopia. I was... Uh, Essentially, you can't choose where you're born. You're just born whatever, wherever you come out. And so when I, when I am with my people of Ethiopia, I look at them and they have a lot different life than I have here in America if I was to be here. And, and with that vision of understanding that they were born there, they didn't do anything to make themselves there, that... God loves me just as much being born in Southern California as he loves them being born in an outlying village somewhere in the nation of Ethiopia. So they're the same people. We're the same people. We can have different color skin. We can speak different languages, but we still are the same people. So God's made that very clear to me, which has made it so wonderful to, to live this kind of life. But as I was sitting in the chapel, and by the way, thank you for being here. It's so cool to sit amongst such anointed people that do such an amazing thing in the world. I'm often astounded at how God does things through people. I think his, his, what he's done in my life, what he's done in your lives, if I was to think of a message for today, I don't do much of this kind of conversation with people. Most of mine is just kind of li living it out. Uh, so standing behind an executive desk or putting a pulpit up here, really doesn't change me very much. I, I, I'm pretty much the same all the time. So, uh, uh, but I see the, the flags here, and, I, and, I, and I'm reminded of my father who served in World War II. And uh, the things that many people have gone through from wars, and uh, 
that we have a wonderful nation, and I'm very thankful that I've grown up here. When Jesus came to my house uh, two years ago, it was much like Peter on the rooftop where he was praying. It was in the middle of the day. He was waiting for lunch to be made. He was staying at Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa, and uh, he was doing nothing more than praying and waiting for food to be made. And while that was taking place, the Bible says that the sky opened up, the sky was torn apart, and a sheet came down from heaven. And in that sheet were all kinds of different animals. And uh, a voice said to Peter, rise and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And this happened three times. And then the, the sheet went back up to heaven, and the sky closed up. And during that, uh, after that moment, three men that had come from Cornelius' household, where Cornelius was a Roman centurion, a Gentile, who loved God, but didn't know God the way others know him, but he still worshiped God, paid tithes, or, or did alms for the people. And uh, so the angel came to hit this man and said, send to Joppa for a man named Simon Peter. He'll tell you the way of salvation kind of story. So he sends his people. So while Peter was pondering this open sky vision, it says that the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, three men seek you. And go with them, nothing doubting. And the result of that was, Peter went with these men to Cornelius' household, and he said, why have you called for me? What, what is the purpose of this? And Cornelius tells him, three days ago I was praying at the hour of prayer, and an angel said to send for you to come tell me something. And he says, ah, now I'm starting to understand this vision, this sky-opening, sheet-dropping, wild-animal vision. And now I'm sitting here with Gentiles where I'm not allowed to come into your home. So the, the Lord linked those things together for me in the scriptures after, because he comes to my house in, in Seattle and the sky opens up and Jesus comes down from heaven and sits down on my deck with me. I'm, I'm sitting outside on my deck in the cool spring morning and I'm drinking a cup of coffee. And Jesus puts his coffee cup down next to mine. And I look, I say, I didn't know Jesus drank coffee. <laughs> but the story is, he took me to the nation of Ethiopia. The, the, the sky tore apart, just, just like in Peter's vision, the sky just tore apart. And the trees that were in front of me, and the shrubbery that was in front of me, and the house that was over on the other side, they're gone. And there's nothing more than this huge stadium, this like, uh, in America, we'd call it a football field or a soccer field, excuse me, a soccer field. In, in, in Africa, it's, it's football. Uh, but here, it's, it would be a, a soccer stadium or a football stadium, same thing, size-wise. And there's about 10,000 dark-skinned people out in front of me. And I'm standing on a platform about this high off the ground with Jesus. And this is the beginning of the conversation he has with me about going to the nation of Ethiopia. And... Um, the conversation included many things because he stayed for 40 minutes. And after the end of the 40 minutes, I, I looked down and his cup's almost empty. He's been drinking his coffee. And, and, and so it's interesting how you understand things in the spirit when you're with God that you, that you don't, don't have to figure it out. I, I can tell we're about finished with the vision because he's just about finished with his coffee. The coffee is real key to the vision. And so, again, I asked the Lord, why did you come have coffee? I don't get it. And he said, when we're finished, 
you're going to find out that Ethiopia is the origin of coffee. And they have a thing in their country called a coffee ceremony. And I said, I thought Starbucks was the origin of coffee. <laughs> I said, no, Ethiopia. And so I said, okay. So uh, just to kind of put the story in perspective, Jesus leaves. I go in and Google origin of coffee on my computer, and it's Ethiopia. I'm stunned, because I'm trying to figure out the vision. Much like the, the scripture about Peter says, he was perplexed about the vision, what the meaning of it could be. So he didn't have instant knowledge of everything. He had the vision, and he still had to work it out. So I go in and I Google origin of coffee, and it's Ethiopia. And I'm thinking, that might have, that was really Jesus, I'm thinking. And, and then a few, a few bit lines down in the search engine, it says, Coffee ceremony, Ethiopia. And I look at that, and that's exactly what he said. Their coffee ceremony is where they get together, they, they roast coffee, they grind coffee, they, they percolate the coffee, they share the coffee, and they sit around and have conversation. That's their conversation time. Not like us, get it, put it in your cup holder, and drive down the road 10, <laughs> 10 miles an hour faster than you're supposed to. And drink it as fast as you can so you can get to work, you know, or get wherever you're going. And, and then find somewhere else to get another cup. You know, there they slowly drink it and have conversation. Yes. And Jesus said, this coffee ceremony that I had with you is what they do in their nation. So as you're doing it, and they do it every day, all the time. So what's going to happen is every time you see coffee ceremony, you're going to remember everything I told you. It's a link to your memory, to the vision and the plans and purposes I have for you in the nation of Ethiopia. You'll never forget, I came to your house. That everything that I do in your life is a pure miracle. And you'll see every miracle I do. Sometimes we think of miracles as the blind eyes opening, the deaf ears unstopping, the mute speaking, the physical body being healed. And I've seen all that now that I've gone to Ethiopia. That's all happened. All those kind of miracles happened. But there's many other things that he does that sometimes we don't notice, that he wants us to notice. That's why he said to me, you're going to see these things through these coffee ceremonies that, you, that I put you in. So, this is interesting. It's always interesting to me. I hope it's interesting to you. So, I'd been a, in, in America here in, in the Seattle area. I'd been a, a real estate broker for about 20 years, had a very successful career, lots of wealth and income from it. And then the, the Holy Spirit kind of moved me into becoming a, a land developer, which I became a land developer, and I, then I became a home builder. And so, I, in, in simple words, I'm a, I was a general contractor. So I built houses, I built subdivisions, and, uh, and my income, my personal income was in excess of a million dollars a year. My personal income. My company income exceeded that, but my personal, they, they make you draw a salary even when you don't need money. It's a requirement by the IRS, so you pay tax on it as if you didn't, as if you did draw it. Anyway, so I have all this wealth, I have all these homes, I have many homes, I have many rental properties, and, uh, I've been married 35 years. In 2019, the woman I was married to gets cancer. She dies and goes to heaven. And uh, it's interesting because people often say, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, the, the kind of the normal empathy. And as, I, as the Lord helped me process it, one of the things I learned was it's not too hard. You're not sad too long when your best friend goes to heaven ahead of you. So when you have a, a marriage relationship where you're best friends and your best friend leaves you and goes to heaven, you don't really sorrow for too long. You, you, you miss the future of what you were thinking you were going to live out together. But you don't so much miss the present thought process of, 
Well, she's having a great time, what she's doing. And I often ask the Lord, who got the best deal? I got Ethiopia, she got heaven. You know, because I'm, I'm so blessed and so happy in the nation of Ethiopia, I think I got the better deal. So God's just been so kind to me with these kind of things. I, I was going to tell you, if I was to give a title to this message, it would be called For Mature Audiences. <laughs> because I'm going to read you a scripture from Isaiah, and I'll, I'll try to explain the hair thing to you, because it's, the hair thing was not my idea. Okay, I, I went, my, my mom uh, died at age 90, perfectly healthy, no, no, no loss of anything, maybe mobility, just a little bit of pace, but, but no sickness, no disease. So at 90 years old, she gets pneumonia, dies two days later, and goes to heaven. And my friend's a surgeon. He says, that's the best way to die, Jerry. In the, in the world of surgeons, we call that the old man's friend. That's, that we have a name for it. Because that's the best way to die because you don't go through a long series of medical treatments and suffering and surgical procedures. You just get it. The pneumonia, the pneumonia fills your lungs with water. We give you a little comfort care medication. You're still fully conversant, but you're not struggling. And you go. And that's how my mom died. And... Um, I don't know why I told you that. Except that this story is for mature audiences. So my mom likes to go to church. She had been in Arizona. We moved her to Seattle when we had children. She wanted to be a grandmother. We were happy to have her. And so she's visiting different churches. She found this one church. Our family was raised Methodist. So really traditional Methodist church kind of thing. Lots of good Bible hymn songs and a little bit of preaching, a little bit of bingo and we're, everything's good, okay? And so she says to me one day, well, I'm going to have to find a different church. I said, why? She said, well, this church is dead. I said, how do you know it's dead? She says, so I, I visit with her sometimes at her church. She says, okay, we're standing in the back. She says, look around. And all the people are facing forward. There's maybe 120 people in the room. She says, look at, look at all of them. I said, yeah. She said, they're all dead. I said, what do you mean? Everyone's gray hair. There's no young people in this church. I need to get out of here. Because I, I don't want to die with them. <laughs> There's no youth in this church. We brought a youth group in that was traveling. We, they played music. They did things to try to liven the church up, and people didn't like it. And so we don't have any more youth coming into the church. So I'm finding a new church, and she did. But it was interesting that her perception was accurate. The church was dying because it was all gray heads, and there was no youthful part to the church. And she just didn't want to be part of it. Which ties to the story about when Jesus came to my house, he said, uh, I, I want you to go to the nation of Ethiopia. And I was very, I was, I was scared. Honestly, I was very frightened by the whole thought. And, uh, and then he started talking to me. He said, uh, I've asked many people to go, but they said no. Some went, but it got hard and they came back. Because it's not an easy place by a lot of standards, to live. When I first arrived, there was war, conflict. shut Things are shut down. I, I, God put me in the nation. I travel with soldiers. I carry a Kalashnikov. It's a Russian firing weapon. Wherever I go, I have to have security. We travel in four-wheel drives. And I'll tell you about traveling the nation, maybe some today, maybe some other time. But So I have to, I have to live through conflict, through war. And... Uh, the U.S. Embassy had, had, had left. They'd evacuated. There's no embassy personnel. And they had, they cautioned and advised all foreigners to leave the nation. 
I, I'm, in essence, I'm really the only foreigner left in the country. And I'm perfectly fine with it. I have no fear, no nothing at all. And so God puts me with the, the right man as I enter the nation. He puts me with the right security details. And I travel the whole country, right in the middle of the conflict, with UN vehicles racing up and down the streets and World Food Programs trying to feed refugee or migration problems because they're pushed out of the battle zones. And there's just thousands of people walking across vacant lands, starving. So the UN has these food trucks and security to try to get so people don't die on the roads, crossing the fields. That's where God puts me, right in the center of all that stuff. So uh, my life was very interesting, arriving in Ethiopia. I don't know one person. I don't speak one word of their language. I don't know anything about the country other than one I can Google. You can't Google very much in certain countries. You can't get very much accurate information. And as I started looking, a lot of the information was old because COVID had been in the country, which had wiped out all the tourist industry. So there's no visitors writing anything current about what it's like to be in the country. So, uh, so Jesus is having coffee with me. We're, we're, he's talking to me about going to the nation of Ethiopia. He said, I've asked many to go, and they said no. And, uh, and, and, and I, I didn't answer. I didn't know what to say. And then uh, this is what really uh, kind of started everything for me. I heard him say, he said to me, please. Please go. And I started crying. Because what I heard wasn't the word please, but the heart of God in the word please. We know that the word is a container of faith and power and creative ability. His word. So when he said please, it's like all the heart of God was in that word please. Go. I've asked others to go and they said no. Some went and they came back. Please go. And I said, okay. I felt that incredible compassion of God for this nation of people. And, and I said, okay, I'll go. I'll go. He said, you go. I have two grown children here in, in America, in the Seattle area. They both have their families. They're both fine. I'm a single white male. So I guess that's why I don't know. He said, I'll, he said this. He said, I'll take care of your children in America. You go. Because he knows that's what a father's going to start thinking. What about my family? So I said, okay, I'll go. He said, if you'll go, because he wasn't sure, you know, there's still hesitation sometimes. He says, if you'll go, I'll add 50 years to your life. I said, I don't like old people. Because <laughs> I said, that'll make me 120. I don't, I, I, don't want, I don't like old people. And he said, I need to change your thinking. This is why this is for mature audiences. He said, you don't think, I'm going to change your thinking about old people for a minute. I said, okay. He said, at 120 years of age, Moses climbed the mountain. His eyes were not dim, and his natural force for producing children had not been abated. He could still produce offspring at 120, which means there's strength and virility in his body. There's capability and flexibility to climb mountains. So that was the first transformation Jesus did while he was sitting with me about old people. It might say old, but we think of old as needing to go to Virginia Mason or Swedish Hospital or something, or being sure we got a good health care program, or being sure we've got a burial plan. We, we in America think of, we, we encapsulate old with these other things. And, uh, but he said, no, 
This is old. Here's 120. This is what you visually will live and look like. And then he said, uh, I'm going to give you Caleb. After Caleb and Joshua crossed over into the promised land, uh, it's around um, Joshua chapter 14. If you want to look at it, I haven't given you a scripture, but we'll go there for a minute. Joshua chapter 14, starting in verse 6. Joshua judges Ruth. That's how I remember that. Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua judges Ruth. Anyway, Joshua chapter 14. If you'll look in verse 6 through 15, I'm going to read it uh, from the Amplify because it, it contains a few words that are kind of interesting. So in Joshua chapter 14, starting in verse 6, it says, Then the sons of Judah approached Joshua and Caleb and said, You know, and Caleb said to Joshua, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning me and you and Kadesh Barnea. So if we go back in time just a little bit, like 40 years in time, the 12 spies went to look at the land. And then they came back and said, this is really truly a land that flows with milk and honey. They brought back the big cluster of grapes. They said, it's a great place. And 10 tribal leaders said, but there's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And Joshua and Caleb said, it's true that there's giants in the land, but the Lord's given us the land. We're well able to overcome it. So that's the backstory to this position here. Now, fast forward 40 years, and Caleb and Joshua are now in the promised land, and Caleb comes to Joshua because he's the commander, and says, and, and, and Joshua's dealing out the, the divisions of the land, and Caleb says, give me my land that the Lord promised 40 years ago or 45 years ago to me. He says, because I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago. And that's where the Lord stopped and said, you're as strong today as you were 45 years ago. You receive everything by faith, but you're strong today as you were 45 years ago. So you got the vision of Moses as 120. Now think of your strength 45 years ago. I said, I was in my 30s. That was, pretty, that was a good time. So that's you. That's you. That's your strength. That's your vitality. That's your energy level. You're strong today as you were 45 years ago. So if, we, if we, you look at that a little bit more, he says, um, if you come down to verse 9, he says, so Moses swore... On that day, saying, be assured that the land of which your foot has walked, has walked, uh, will be your inheritance to you and your children always, because you followed the Lord, my God, completely. And he says in verse 10, he says, now look, the Lord has made me live. The Lord has made me live. Just as he said, these 45 years since the Lord spoke that word. So when, when, when Caleb believed the word 45 years previously, he believed it. And that word kept him young and strong for 45 years. The word of God allowed no degeneration to take place in his body. He says, I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago when the Lord said to me, Caleb took the word, believed the word, and walked 45 years on that truth that God had given to him. Every time I go back to Ethiopia, the, the men that I hang out with say, Jerry, you, you're always, you just come back. Every time I see you, you just look younger. If I get time, I'll tell you why, why that started to happen to me. But it's because of believing the word that Jesus gave me when he came to my house about Moses being 120. Then he took me to Caleb, where he says to Joshua, I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago. He tells the reason why. Because God made this promise to us that this would be our land. We're strong because of the word of God that I live on. 
I travel and live on this word of God. So all these 45 years that we've been waiting for these other people to die, we have to be out here 40 years to wait for this, this generation to die off before we can go in. I've lived by that word. I watch my, I watch Mephibosheth die. I watch Abraham the third die. I watch all these people die around me. Like my mom said, I don't want to be in this place with old people. I don't want to be in an old people church. That's why this song is for mature audiences. <laughs> so, Caleb lived by the word that has spoken into his heart by God. That word became rhema to him, not just written. And he lived off of it. He had already seen the promised land. He knew what was there. He kept a vision of it. He kept the word moving through him, which kept his body regenerating. Because that's exactly what the scripture says. I went, wow, okay, okay. So got Moses. Then, but then I said, Jesus, I, I, I had another objection. I said, I don't like the skin of old people. You know, their skin is kind of weird. You know, it gets these spots on it. It gets a little shrinky. It gets a turtle around, or turkey neck kind of stuff. I said, I don't like old people's skin. I don't like old people's skin. <laughs> Most old people don't like their skin either. <laughs> right? So, I, so, that, that, so I now have that objection. Okay, I, I got the Moses thing. I got the Caleb thing. But I don't like old people's skin. This is Dr. Hansen. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Tomorrow we'll continue with The Zebra Man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.